Point free. Should we? I mean, I didn't delete it. We'll actually take, before we get to the profiling, let's take a... What? We're going to take a small interlude here. Welcome to ADSP, the podcast, episode 76, recorded on April 19th, 2022. My name is Connor, and today with my co-host Bryce, we continue part two of our four-part interview with Ben Dean on C++ algorithms. One of the things, too, that um, in in going over uh, both the blog that I still have not gone back to find that individual's name, but if you're listening, uh, your name will come up in either this episode or part two of this episode. Wait, what blog is this? Uh, actually, we can just go find it right now. Because that's great podcasting, serving the internet live. Here we go. Felipe, I wrote the solutions you guys discussed in this episode. I, I'd appreciate it if you could have a look at the reduce slash transform reduce solutions. And let me know if this is what you had in mind. Love the episode. So thank you, Felipe. I responded. And yeah, it looked good. I only perused it quickly. He was missing one of the function objects or lambdas called max2 underscore accumulating. But other than that, it looked good. This podcast is now so big that people write commentary on the podcast. It's not that big. Uh, I was talking to Jason the other day at the Denver C++ meetup. And ours is uh, not an order of magnitude smaller, but we got a long way to go. Uh, to call it big is being generous. We need um, swag. I need swag for C++ now. Do we have stickers? Do we have a logo? No. We put... And here's the thing. Uh, we one time got a request for uh, transcripts. Um, but we have to understand is we will get transcripts as soon as some company offers uh, to pay. But it's not cheap to... Because like I do not have the bandwidth to uh, go right. and you know have them automatically generated and then clean it up. Um, and so the alternative is, and I, I know ben, uh, Bryce doesn't have the bandwidth either, and neither does Ben, and neither would he be interested in doing that. Um, <laughs> but so you have to... I did that once. I think it was the concept for all the things talk that Jason and I did. And I think that year um, there was a push to get transcripts. Um, and, you know, Google, YouTube does automatic kind of transcription. Yep. And just gets it horrendously wrong when it comes to C++ keywords. Constexpra... You know, that's not a word that Google transcription software has heard of, at least not in 2017. So that yep. was an interesting fix-up. <laughs> and so that's that's the thing. Bryce and I, uh, we do really care a ton about accessibility. It's just that it is not, it's like they charge by the minute for transcribing that stuff. And uh, so if there's some company out here that's listening, that's like, hey, I, I want to support that and they want to pay for that to get done, boom, we're going to have transcripts. But I've already got like 16 things on the go. So it's it's not that we don't care. It's that. Uh, is that we're cheap? It's prohibitive <laughs> to do. Don't have the resources. Yeah. Um, and also, too, like if I had the bandwidth, I definitely would. I just, I currently don't. But back to my question. At this point, we might be on part two of this podcast. Um, is that one of the things that really led me to prefer uh, the re- reduce version or the accumulate version? Um, and something we didn't really touch on in the previous uh, version is that, uh, or maybe I'll ask it. I'll ask it in the form of a question. An interview question? I was trying to think of what game show I could do, but I don't have the energy to think of a game show and put it in the right format. Um, sort, partial sort, nth element all have something in common that transform, reduce, and reduce, uh, and accumulate do not, which Require, makes me prefer those. Well, sort at least requires random access iterators. Is that true of the others? Uh, not what I'm thinking of, even if it is true. It is. I believe it is true of all of them. 
That's a bold requirement to place upon. So to repeat the, the repeat the question to the listener: partial sort, sort, and nth element all are in one category. Reduce, accumulate, and transform reduce are all in another category. What's the difference that I'm thinking of? There might be multiple. Yeah, I am correct. Is it the header they're in? Algorithm versus numeric. <laughs> that actually, <laughs> while I was saying it, that popped into my <laughs> yeah. head, and I think you're definitely correct about that. Um, also, not what I'm thinking of. This is a fundamental property of what the algorithm is sort of ends up doing. Like they're not allowed to. Oh, it's uh, uh it, it, it's it's in place. It, it modifies. Correct. They're permuting algorithms. Right. And that's actually something that I noticed when I was watching the Tyler Weaver video is the first thing he does is create a temporary because he's passing in by const ref and he creates a temporary and just copies it for a lot of them. And for an algorithm where you're just pulling out the top two elements, that's kind of irritating that I'm going to have to permute my input yeah. vector or infer input range, if you will, because this is real like a redu- one of the really nice things I like about uh, reductions and transform reduces is that they're very functional in the sense that they're not modifying the input range. Um, and a lot of other algorithms, like anytime you reach for nth element, and there's not actually an equivalent nth element copy, which right. a lot of the times you wouldn't actually want this, in, at least in this case, you wouldn't want that second, as you always point out, Ben, that is it partition copy is one of the only uh, algorithms right. that has two output it's iterators. It's the only algorithm in the standard that has two. And, and actually, we should talk more about that in a minute, because I think it's overlooked. Yeah. And so, and if you had an nth element copy, which if there's a partition copy, seems like there should be an nth element copy, but there's a lot of those missing sort of prefix suffix algorithms. You could use nth element copy to not modify the input sequence, but then you're going to end up with a range of n minus two elements in, you know, that one <laughs> yeah. of your iterators pointing to that you don't need. And I think that's actually, I can screen share here in a bit if you want to look at um, the, the profiling that uh, Tyler did is nth element is actually quite a bit slower than, so like I ended up, writing my own versions and transform reduce and accumulate were definitely the fastest but um nth element was slower than the uh max element and then erasing a single value um and then doing another max element and i think that probably has to do with the fact that you're permuting um your your input range anyways thoughts well well, one of the nice things about uh the non-destructive algorithms um in particular in the parallel case is uh you can do multiple different things in parallel on the same data set multiple things in mm-hmm. parallel if you have a read-only data set yeah that is true yeah i guess i don't really think i always think like sort of data flow pipeline but if you don't think that way and you just use it as sort of like an immutable source then yeah you can definitely well, i mean p- p- pipelines are just boring graphs connor <laughs> just very boring <laughs> graphs. You just need to think about more interesting graphs. Than Not when you introduce the phi combinator, Bryce. <laughs> Somebody has just completed their thesis. <laughs> there was there was one more thought that um, as I was listening to your last to the to this podcast to your, your podcast about the algorithms, and Bryce Bryce mentioned I had the thought and Bryce mentioned it that um, it's interesting to think about a kind of tricksy way to solve this with min max element. <laughs> is that possible you I, had the same I, thought I, I damn same man thought. i'm being left and, out and it reminded me so i haven't worked through it i don't it is definitely tricky to do because it's it has to be adaptive in the comparator or something yeah um but it reminded do, me wait does min max element have an overload you can pass a comparator to it yeah yeah of course. really yeah i mean what <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah keep talking ben keep how talking. would it be useful <laughs> if, it, if you couldn't 
This is great. I love learning stuff live on ADSP. Have you read the paper, A Killer Adversary for Quicksort? It's a paper no. by Doug McElroy. He's, he, Who is the he's Bash the, Unix he's guy? He's often cited as the inventor of Bash pipelining. The, oh, mm-hmm. he is one of my heroes then because I love Bash. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's he's a great guy. Uh, um, I was lucky enough to attend one of his talks at LambdaConf, I think of 2015. He talked about... Oh, wow. He presented 12 lines of Haskell that were a complete, a complete framework for manipulating polynomials, including infinite sequences. And I, that was just Damn. beautiful. Anyway, um, highly recommended that, that talk. Uh, we'll link it in the yeah. show notes, so definitely we'll um, check that he out. He has this paper, A Killer Adversary for Quicksort, which the 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 tenet of the paper is, um, you know, we all know that Quicksort performs poorly on certain inputs. It can go quadratic, right, if the, if the pivot selection is poor. Um, mm-hmm. And so he constructs a deliberately bad input for Quicksort that is constructed adaptively on the fly to bamboozle Quicksort's pivot selection. <laughs> okay. Um, and it's that kind of adaptive nature that, uh, I mean, th- that's what it made me think of that when I thought about this potential min-max element solution to, to top two. Uh, because again, it would have to be adaptive in the comparator somehow. Yeah, and I, I brought up the min-max element page. It definitely... Not that I doubt you, I just had to confirm. Because um, I think I said, actually, on that episode that min-max element didn't have an overload version that takes a custom comparator, which uh, I apologize to both Bryce and the listener. That is entirely incorrect. And uh, it I would be... I will consider accepting your apology, <laughs> but I mean... I, I appreciate that. That's <laughs> true friendship accepted. right there. He's really considering uh, accepting that. <laughs> yeah well i mean that's actually that's pretty big uh for big you know, from bryce he's from he's a new, he's a new yorker you know uh he's lucky he didn't just right then and there say you know what i'm done with this <laughs> i am i am an aggressive <laughs> megalomaniac so that is pretty big of me i appreciate bryce's self-awareness you know it's just that uh if he wasn't self-aware i just uh, this guy's a little bit uh but you know he's he acknowledges it, so it's all good. It is It is important to own one's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, maybe um, I'm sort of curious if I might. I'm, I'm, I won't be surprised at this point because we've had we've basically had a blog slash uh, one blog and one YouTube video. So maybe there's a listener we, that's going to go and look at the benchmarks live in large part because I suspect I will find reasons to object to them <laughs> yeah let's do it let's and this will be it. this will be a, an instructive episode um in uh, how to uh produce good benchmarks or at the very least benchmarks that pass muster with me yeah so maybe this will i'm not actually sure if this is the start of part three or part two but definitely this is a great we're talking about profiling now uh let me share my screen and uh, the listener is actually able to go. We'll link this in the show notes and um, check out. Oh, man. Actually, and you guys are seeing Twitter. Um, at the top of whatever part. Uh, we're seeing, we're seeing audacity. audacity. <laughs> oh, what the heck? 
<laughs> Audacity is the name of the software that we use to record the uh, episodes. Why does it keep on giving you? Yep. <laughs> We're seeing more Audacity. Oh yeah, that makes Connor, sense. Just share your full screen. I've got two. I've got two monitors, so that that would be. I am sharing my full okay, screen, right. but I just can't share both wait, monitors. Wait, 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 wait. That means we got to look for anything embarrassing in the tabs. No, it's not going to happen. Oh, Although, point free. Should we? I mean, I didn't delete it. <laughs> we'll actually take before we get to the profiling. What? Let's take us. We're going to take a small interlude here, Ben. I was going to suggest also put on the stack the algorithm you talked about from the meetup last night. Forget it was the... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. The, um, yeah, the what's closest to zero and choose the largest of the two. All right, so we got three things on the stack. At the What we're going to talk about for a second here is pointfree.io and a, a future YouTube video because I got, I got so excited last night and then derailed my meetup for like a good... I said I wasn't going to talk about it for 20 minutes, and then I proceeded to talk about it for 15 minutes and had to like literally cut myself off because I was I was so excited about it. This is what makes the meetup great. I mean, I felt it, I was, it was a little too... I really sort of... I, it, I felt like it derailed a little bit too quickly because I'm not sure how many people were following along, but I was so, I was so excited Connor, about pe- it. People don't always follow where you're going, but they're excited to, to, to be on the journey because of how excited you are. Yeah. So, all right. On the stack, point free is next. Then we're going to look at some profiling uh, from uh, Tyler. And then we're going to talk about an algorithm we discussed last night. So I'm confused about your stack because you seem to have, you seem to have inserted at both ends of the stack. This is true. All right. Q, whatever. (laughs) It's a stack because we're going to pop off in one direction, but that's not what makes it a stack. It's a heap. It's a a heap. We had a, things have been pushed on by priority and they're going to be popped off in that order. <laughs> exactly. So for context, I have a, I have a programming virtual meetup. Um, ben attends from time to time. And I think you've been there for most of the uh, seven languages in seven weeks. And we were covering chapter five and programming language four of seven last night, which was Scala. And one of the problems in the chapter was to write a little tic-tac-toe status function that given a board that is partially filled out, um, determine if there's a winner uh, and which the, if it's an X or an O or if there's no winner. And uh, without going into too many details, at one point there's a function that I used in my solution for both a Scala solution and a Haskell solution of a function called all equal to that takes a character and a string. And it basically just determines, is the string, uh, are all the characters in that string equal to the character that you specified? So if you're given all equal to the character X and XXX, it'll return true. And if it's XOX or X.X, it'll return false. And in Haskell, I had programmed that by basically all equal to uh, with a single parameter E for the character and then equals and dot map parentheses equal equal e and parentheses should we be spelling this out for the listener this is great no, radio but <laughs> yeah great radio and you don't really need to follow it or like be spelling it out in your head but we went to this site pointfree.io because i was like i could i i said just sort of off the cuff during the um meetup you could make this point free but it probably wouldn't um, probably wouldn't be as readable because right, basically what you're doing is you're mapping a unary function 
over your string and saying and converting that to a string of booleans that's uh, yeah. true if it's equal to your specified character and false if not. And then once you have that uh, list of booleans, you just do a logical and reduction. And if they're all equal to true, you get a true back. If any one of them is equal to false, you get false back. And so that's basically, you could do this with um, a transform reduce in C++, where you're transforming your characters and your string to booleans and then doing a logical and reduction. So we plug this into pointfree.io, and what we get back, it changes the and, which is our logical and reduction, to all, which is the equivalent of std all of in C++, and basically takes a list of booleans, all takes a list of anything and a unary predicate that's going to evaluate that uh, list of things and turn it into a list of booleans. And so it, it turns and into all, keeps the dot, which is the B combinator, the bluebird, everybody loves the bluebird, and, uh, and then drops the map and, the u and it turns the unary operation into a binary operation. And I'm not even gonna really try to begin to explain what happened there, but basically the B combinator, it, it oh, it's, I mean, do I, do I even <laughs> attempt, Ben, do you wanna try? It's, it's just, I'll make a YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe people will understand, but I was so excited. Jean-Michel, who's an attendee, he pointed out, I was like, oh, I think I understand what's going on. I didn't even notice at first that the and changed to an all. This website is pure magic. Uh, ben, do you have anything to add? <laughs> uh, I would just say for the listener, the point of the website is it's called point free because it it changes functions. to The point of the function is the argument of the function or the parameter to the function, right? And so it, it removes function parameters in favor of, plain function composition, hence point three. So, so in, in, instead, like the C++ analogy, instead of having a, you know, sequence of calls to algorithms where the inputs are explicitly named, ha having a pipeline of uh, range adapters that yeah, can be yes. applied to any input where the, art, the, the, uh, the, the input sequence is an implicit and passed between all of them. Or, you know, the other analogy is like, you know, a bash pipeline um, mm -hmm. where you don't explicitly name, uh, uh, you know, stood in. It's just implicitly passed from thing to thing. Yeah, Eric Niebler was the first one that point, because I think at some point I remarked in a meeting or in a conversation he was a part of that I said, oh, C++ doesn't have support for point free. And he said, ah, that's not actually true. If you are building up a custom range adapter, that is the composition of, you know, a transform and a filter and something else. Um, that's technically point free because you never mention your arguments, um, which I was like, oh yeah, that's a good point. Um, or anyways, at, the, yeah. at the very least, you you never mention your primary argument. In a lot of cases, there you might have an argument of a functor or, or some other parameter to one of those functions, but but not Correct, the actual yeah. input sequence. <laughs> yeah, not not the argument that will be required for basically the the callable that is returned. Um, yeah. And yeah, and maybe, well, we're probably not going to have time to, to get into all these things, but yeah, I've been thinking a lot about higher order function these functions these days. Well, I was going to say, um, you made the observation here, Connor. So, so the dot operator is, is the Bluebird combinator, right? Um, function composition. Yep. Uh, and you, you come at this code very much in a combinator mindset where, at least you said last night, you, were th you think about combinators and the way you think about combinators, you know, you can tell me I'm wrong, but, um, you think of them as functions of one argument. Well, in particular, the, the, I guess the Bluebird Combinator combines together two functions of one argument, right? And looking at this Haskell yep. point-free version uh, is not obvious from that mindset because, of course, 
the equality operator is a binary operator. It's not a function of one argument. It's a function of two arguments. Um, Correct, and indeed, yep. all is a function of two arguments as well. And so uh, it, it, at first glance, you know, in that mindset, it looks like how is, how is dot working to combine these two functions because they're not functions of one argument? Except, of course, that in Haskell, every function is a function of one argument, which can then return a function as opposed to returning the eventual result because of partial application being built into the language. Yep. It's, and that's, that's like a very, even to this day, I have to, like when I start thinking about this stuff, I like, I have to sit down and start, I think like at some point I'm going to have to go and implement a mini, doesn't have to be Haskell, but basically a, a language that has currying built in because it is, it's a very different model. Like you said, right in this code, all dot, you know, paren equal, equal paren. That's a, the B combinator, which composes two unary functions sitting between. So it's an infix operator. It sits between two bi two binary functions that t so two functions that take two arguments right somehow and somehow it works <laughs> and somehow it works it's very even like the uh the blackbird the b1 combinator one of my favorite combinators we talked about it in a previous episode where that that combines a unary function and a binary function there's a definition of that where basically three b combinators in a row three bluebirds in a row equals the blackbird and like I have no idea, like I have not sit down to like work through the ADA reduction or whatever you whatever technique you use. But like I've seen that in a talk and a couple other blogs, and like I'm just like I don't even like BBB. I do not understand how that equals B1. But like that's the whole. I mean Haskell Curry's very first paper on the topic in 1929 was entitled "An Analysis of Logical Substitution," and before he had named it combinatory logic like that's how he approached it like programming languages weren't even a thing back then pre you know 30s or 40s and it was it was substituting you know one expression for another expression based on these sort of relationships and uh yeah i i'm it, I, you are definitely correct that i come at it from like a very specific you know mindset pr that's primarily of like how they're used in apl and then i've been sort of reverse engineering my way into these other sets you know or, or contexts of right. haskell and I came to Haskell first before combinators. So I think about this just in terms of how the types unify and check. Pretty much. Interesting. And it's interesting because technically I, I, I landed at Haskell first, but didn't really appreciate what the dot did or really what the dollar sign did. I just sort of knew that if I stuck them in different places, oh, then it'd work. Mm -hmm. And um, and so, yeah, even though I saw them first in Haskell, I didn't really appreciate what they were until coming back from, from array languages. It's, um, well, it's spring. It's a good time to study combinators. I would say I currently have two combinators living outside my front door. I have, <laughs> there's a, <laughs> I, what? two finches made a nest in my wreath. And for the last month, oh, I have no, not been awesome. using my front door as a result. They, they laid, she laid five eggs of which four hatched and there are currently at least two baby birds that are still surviving oh but, you know that's... it's it's oh. sad that some die but wow. that's nature for you that's why that's why she had that number i suppose but yes they're they're surviving and thriving as far as i can tell and the for for we're, the F combinator is definitely uh is a combinator ben, we're gonna finish. we're gonna need some okay pictures yeah <laughs> <laughs> to, to add to our show notes and uh for, i do for have a picture tweet. yeah uh, we um, don't disturb them very much but i do have one picture i assumed that you had some some pictures 
Yeah, for and for the listener that hasn't heard the lore of Raymond Smullyan's uh, Tamaka Mockingbird and why, so a mathematician, famous mathematician that um, I think I probably heard about it from you, Ben, um, or maybe if I first heard about the book from that uh, Point Free or Die talk that was given by Amar Shah back in like Strange Loop 2016, but then you mentioned um, Raymond Smullyan and and had told me that he was a very well known and prolific writer mm-hmm. of sort of logic puzzle books and math puzzle books. And he wrote this book in 1985 called Tamaka Mockingbird, where he nicknamed all the combinators. And the reason he gave them bird nicknames is because very famously or not so famously, because I only learned this from reading um, Tamaka Mockingbird, is that Haskell Curry, who was, you know, basically did all of the research that led to the, the field of combinatory logic. He was a huge, avid bird watcher. And that's why it was basically an homage to him. And and the funny thing is, is I was at lunch the other day and I'm pretty <laughs> sure I saw a warbler because I actually threw like investigating combinators and spending so much time researching them and tweeting out photos. I actually am starting to <laughs> uh, recognize types of birds. And I like I fell off my chair and like ran outside the restaurant to try and get a photo of this warbler because I was like a warbler in the wild. That's the W combinator is one of the best. Ones Connor's going to um, become a bird watcher. <laughs> Connor's gonna become like a bird man. He's gonna have like a collection of birds that he cares for. This week, what may yeah. be useful? I just heard about this app that's out of um, Cornell. Merlin, Merlin, Merlin Bird ID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the you just record some audio and then it tells you what it is. But apparently, they're doing amazing <laughs> things identifying birds. About about ten years ago, my my dad, who's a bird watcher, like had that idea like for an app, and he was like, "Can this be made?" And I'm like, "I'm sure it can be, but <laughs> right. I'm not the person to make it." <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to unless do we have anything we want to say about point free tacit programming before we move on to uh, the yeah. profiling? Yeah, which, we should um, go on to the Bryce. profiling because Bryce is uh, I'm fading fast. It's approaching my bedtime. I don't know how you're still alive, given that you exercised more than me today. Uh, I'm wired. I'm wired. I mean, uh, uh, we're talking about the birds, crash combinators. Hasn't yet. The crash hasn't happened yet. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> I mean, you also have a way earlier bedtime than me. You know, I typically go to sleep at like midnight. No, my, my bedtime like... has been disrupted the entire winter. Not entirely because of winter, but because of my Bring up the profiling. Make Bryce nice and angry so he stays awake. <laughs> There are things wrong here, Bryce. (laughs) Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed and have a great day.